Do your kids want more Mystery Kids episodes? Are you sick of the same ones playing every single day? Well, we have the perfect place for you. Head over to become a Patreon today. For $5 a month, you'll get two more bonus episodes, plus episodes that are already in Patreon. Episodes like The Deepest Hole on Earth, The Great Emu War in Australia of 1932, The Bombing of Hawaii's Volcano, The Dancing Plague, The Ohio Grassman, and some animal fact episodes about the pangolin, the ai the axolotl, and the taipan, plus much, much more. This makes a wonderful birthday present for your kids and gives you way more to talk about as a family, which is the whole point of the Mystery Kids podcast. So for $5 a month, you can get two more bonus episodes plus all the past episodes. To become a patron, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash Mystery Kids Pod and sign up today. Thank you so much for your support. On this episode of the Mystery Kid Podcast, what happens when worries get ignored and a dam, the tallest dam in the world at the time, has an earthquake? Welcome to Mystery Kids Podcast. Welcome to the Mystery Kids Podcast. We're so excited to have you here. So I have a huge announcement coming up. We are now coming out with the Mystery Moms podcast. So this is a podcast for you moms um, by me and my best friend, Carly. I have always loved talking about weird, strange, mysterious cases. So this is the adult version of the Mystery Kids podcast. So keep a, keep an eye out for it. It will be coming out soon to all podcast platforms. Our story begins with a 12-year-old. Her name is Mikaela Coletti. She tells this story that happened on the evening of the 9th of October. My father returned home from work as normal, but almost straight away, he left in the car again, which has never happened before. Five minutes later, I heard what I thought was a thunderclap. It was incredibly loud. My granny came into my room and said she was going to close all the shutters because a storm was coming. At exactly that same moment, all the lights went out and I heard a sound impossible to describe properly. The closest thing I've ever heard to it was the sound of metal shop shutters rolling down, crashing shut. But this was a million, a billion times worse. I felt my bed collapsing as if there was a hole opening beneath me and an irresistible force dragging me out. I couldn't do anything. I had no idea what was happening. When they pulled me out, there was a popping sound, like when you open a bottle and someone sound Someone said, we found another one. I was just 12, but I was covered in mud and completely black. I must look like an old woman. I remember I was on the shoulders of only firemen from the town to survive. And he kept stumbling over these bright, incredibly white translucent rocks. And I kept asking him to put me down, but he wouldn't. And there was this huge moon so close and so bright, it scared me. I felt as if I stretched out my hand, I could touch it. I've never seen a moon like it so close. Then they put me in a car and I heard someone crying and I realized it was me. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the Vaillant Dam disaster, which happened in Italy in 1963. And this was a horrific disaster. I actually thought it was a dam breaking, but 
as we will come to find out, it was not a damn breaking. So I am excited to share this episode. This was um, brought about by my brother, Devin. So shout out to him for saying you need to look this one up because this is a really tragic case and also very, very strange um, in a lot of different ways. So let's talk a little bit about why they built this dam in the town of Vion. So the Viant Dam was actually um, began to be created after a post-war boom in Italy. Um, so the World War II happened, and in this boom that occurred pretty much across the entire world um, after the Second World War up into the late 60s. The reason that they look to build a dam is because of hydropower. And so hydropower has several advantages. So once a dam has been built um, and the equipment is installed, the energy source, that flowing water, is free. It's clean fuel source. It's renewed by snow and rainfall. And hydropower power plants can supply large amounts of electricity. They're relatively easy to adjust for demand and to control the flow of water through the turbines. So the reason like how the hydropower works is um, basically that the, the water gets held back by the dam and the water starts flowing in through an intake and pushes against these blades in a turbine, causing them to turn or spin. So the turbine spins and a generator next to it produces electricity. So it's it's kind of a really cool system. So once it's built, it, it kind of lasts forever. And I found this very interesting. So the current, just some facts, some of the current statistics on hydropower. So the world's largest hydroelectric plant um, is Three Gorges, Sancia. Oh, goodness, my Chinese is not very good. And on China's Yangtze River, which is um, or 1.4 miles wide or 2.3 kilometers wide, 600 feet high or 185 meters high. So the facility that actually generates the most electricity annually is the um, on the Piranha, ooh, goodness, river between Brazil and Paraguay. And the biggest hydropower plant is in the United States at the Grand Coulee Dam in the Columbia River in Washington. So um, the Washington state gets about two thirds of its power or its electricity from hydropower. The proposal to make the dam happened in the 1920s, but the excavation of the site began in 1956. The dam was completed in the 19 in 1960. So this is a completed double curved arch dam, um, and it was 265.5 meters above the valley floor. So it was the world's highest thin arch dam at the time. So it held a lot of water because of how tall it was. So the dam was built across the Vion Valley, which is a deep, narrow gorge. The geological settings, the geological is like the earth setting of the valley was fully understood. In this area, the mountains tend to be characterized by massive near vertical cliffs. So these are like cliffs that like you would just 
fall straight off of. They're sharp, sharp drops. And the local valley tends to be associated with outcrops of weaker formations, um, which contain clay and thin bedding. So it's basically like if you were going to build a house, you wouldn't want to build it on top of like sand, right? Or clay or Play-Doh. You'd want to build it on something that's really, really strong. But the area that it was in was limestone and it shifted and moved. So often the earth is kind of shifting and moving and there are hundreds of earthquakes, even thousands of earthquakes every day, but they're so small, they wouldn't really do much damage. Um, But in this case, they were building in an area where it was basically like they were building on Play-Doh. It was not very sturdy or strong, and they decided just to keep building anyways. So they began to fill this reservoir, um, which is basically the same as a lake or a dam. They're kind of interchangeable words. They began to fill it in February of 1960 after it was completed. And by October, the lake was already 170 meters deep. So soon afterward, the first fissure or crack was noted on the slopes of Mount Talk, which is the mountain that it was right against. And November 4th, with the lake 180 meters deep, so even deeper, a landslide occurred. So alarmed, the technicians decided to slightly reduce the rate that the reservoir is filling. So they tried to keep the water lower and it was successful until the mid 1963, when April and May, the depth of the reservoir was rapidly increasing from 195 to 230 meters. By mid-July, the depth was 240 meters. So those are a lot of numbers, but the lake water just it kept increasing and increasing and increasing. And they weren't increasing the output as much as they should have been. So by mid-July, the depth was 240 meters. And they noticed that there was more increases in movements in the mountain. And early September, the depth of the lake was 245 meters and the movements had it even accelerated more. So in late September of that year of 1963, the water level level was lowered to attempt to slow down the movement um, so that there wasn't any problem. And on October 9th, the reservoir's depth had been lowered to 235 meters. Um, And when they go to let water out, it's very, very slow. Um, I mean, when you drain a bathtub, it takes a long time for the water to go down the drain, depending on how big or small the hole is, right, that the water's going through. Well, imagine that your bathtub is a reservoir and it's going through a small hole to filter out. It takes a long time. So they continued to try to lower it, but it wasn't happening fast enough. And so the slope just continued to move and there were large fissures that were opening up, up and large cracks opening up, up along the slopes of Mount Talk. So October 9th, 1963, at 10.39 p.m., the entire slope of Mount Talk collapsed. So that was with within 30 to 40 seconds, they estimated that 240 to 270 million cubic meters of rock 
plunged into the reservoir, filling the 400 meter gorge behind the dam. So it, all this rock slid down the cliff into the hole that where the water was and fell right into the dam and filled the dam. And there was a wave generated by the impact of the landslide, and it traveled 140 meters up to the opposite shore. So it went back to the back of the dam and it reached even another small village of Erto. And at the moment of impact, the reservoir contained 150, 15 million cubic meters of water. The landslide then pushed part of the water out of the lake, producing a wave with a maximal height of 230 to 240 meters. So 230 meters is about as high as the Golden Gate Bridge stands tall. And it's about twice the size of the Empire State Building is tall. So this was a massive wave that crashed down upon this poor, poor city of Italy. And um, it, its impact was incredible. So they had this wave rush into the gorge of the Vion Valley, and it headed directly to the large and inhabited Pia Valley. But there was a village there of Lagarone, Piagro, Villanova, Rivalta, and Fay. And in less than 15 minutes, more than 2,000 people were killed. It happened so quickly, they didn't even know what was coming. And if you remember Micaela's story at the very beginning, she literally had no idea what had happened. It it completely uh, blew her mind. She She didn't even know what occurred. So between 1956 and 1960, it was realized that the slopes of Mount Talk were more unstable than expected. And if you remember in 1960s when they finished, so while they were building it at the beginning to the ends, they noticed that the slopes were unstable. And they noticed that there was a lot of ancient landslide deposits and not solid rock. And so after the geologists discovered this thin layer of green clay stone and limestone in the limestone and the clay layers acted as like a sliding plane. So it was really easy for the rocks to slide. So October 9th, along those sliding planes, the deposits of the older landslide um, also slid into the valley. We'll have pictures, which I'll link in um, the bio below, um, that show the before and afters. But basically, the entire town um, just literally became part of a landslide. Um, it turned into a flat plain of mud. And I'm currently looking. It was this gorgeous, cute little Italian village with little houses dotting the whole area. And it's became just a mud bank. You'd have no idea that a city even was there. Um, so, so sad um, how quickly this happened. They said only 30 of the children in the Longarone town survived the disaster. Um, so there was this wall, this crashing wall of water 
that came down, it created an air pocket because it kind of launched itself over the top of the dam, which actually didn't really damage the dam. There was very minimal damage to the dam. The water hit and went over the top, kind of like when you splash in a bathtub and the water would fly over the edge of the bathtub or, or and it wouldn't get the area right next to the bathtub wet. It would like go farther out. Don't do this. Don't do this, Kay. <laughs> Don't make a mess in your bathtub. Um, but what happened was this water launched out. And when the air pocket hit the ground, it was more powerful than the Hiroshima bomb, more powerful than an atomic bomb. Um, it was so strong that victims were found and they were found naked. Their clothes had been completely blown off by the exploding air because it was so strong. And uh, Mikaela even said, um, I felt my bed collapsing as if there was a hole opening up beneath me and an irresistible force dragging me out. I couldn't do anything. I had no idea what was happening. So they heard this thunderclap, um, this really, really loud sound. You remember Mikaela's story? She said it was a thunderclap. That was the side of the mountain moving. Um, and that happened in 45 seconds. So after many years, the incident was recognized as an engineering disaster, um, that they failed to um, actually look at the evidence of what could possibly happen. Um, and they, it, they call it one of the worst man-made environmental disasters of all time. So there was a new town that was rebuilt. It is absolutely beautiful. The dam is still there, but not in use. Um, and it has a bypass. So it lets water flow safely down into the valley. And there was a beautiful memorial church now standing as a reminder of the disaster um, so that they could remember the people that um, lost their lives in this area. So it still is there. Um, you, you could literally go see the Viant Dam. Um, it survived with very superficial damage. So it, it was an incredible feat of nature to create this dam. It was just not done in the correct location, and they did not follow all the caution that they should have. Um, they It was very much about money and how much money they had put into this, and they really should have been listening to what could have possibly happened. This is when you, you listen to people that tell you <laughs> this bad, bad thing could happen. You, you should listen to that. So there were actually people charged with um, manslaughter, um, which is basically saying that they um, negligent manslaughter, which basically means that you unintentionally killed someone. Um, and so there were multiple people that were investigated and they were charged um, with five years of jail time which was eventually reduced for a year down to a year. And then there was a company, the company that owned the area had to pay um, probably millions and millions of dollars in property damage and much more. Um, so today it is a beautiful town. You can go visit. There are four thousand people that live in that area. And it's, it's truly just like a, it, I can't even explain it. It's the cutest little Italy, Italian little villa. 
And Micaela, that we talked at the very beginning of this story, um, she lost her parents, her sister and her grandmother, and they were only ever able to find her father's body. Um, but she she really wants to stand as a witness for the victims and um, really wants to create um, that there should be a lesson learned from this experience, um, that this was not an okay thing to happen. And it's she's tried to make sense of it, of what happened. Um, so she tries to stand for all those that lost their lives so that they are never forgotten. Porter's ponderings. What do you think they should have done when they found out that the ground was not stable while they were building the dam? Do you think there could have been other solutions for creating energy? Why do you think it was a poor choice to continue building and opening the dam? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you wouldn't mind subscribing, leaving us a five-star rating, um, taking a screenshot and sharing with friends. Um, we've loved to see this podcast grow and it's so fun to see everybody um, discussing and talking about these episodes. Uh, it just fills my heart so much happiness. So thank you so much. Don't forget to check out our website. Um, and I'll have it all linked below in our bio there. I have free coloring pages, resources for each episode, and also all the pictures and content. Um, so go ahead and check out our website. And if you use one of our links, we get a little bit of kickback because we don't make any money doing this podcast. Um, it's a lot of free content and I hope, I hope it's enjoyed by you and your family on the next episode of the mystery kids podcast what is this strange creature that keeps being seen in virginia thanks for listening